I'd like you to get your Bibles open to the book of 1 Kings this morning. Don't forget we'll be having service again tonight at 6 o'clock, prayer at 5.30. I know we had some good uh, events yesterday between the men's discipleship and the ladies at the park and youth. And we had a good potluck on Friday with Breakaway. So just continue to fellowship and grow in the Lord. Amen. I've got a good word for you this morning that I believe is going to bless you and help you. How many need some help this morning? I need help every day. Amen. But I want to I talk a little bit this morning out of the book of 1 Kings. We're going to read it in a second. But if you're taking notes, here's my title. A brook, some bread, and a boy. All right? A brook, some bread, and a boy. It's good to see you, Selena. How are you? God bless you. It's been a long time since you've been here. She's living down in Fort Worth. She's been with us since the very beginning. They used to live across the street from the church in the old building. Amen? I don't know if there was a... a a memo that got sent out, but would our beautiful African ladies stand up for a second just to see those beautiful, Selena, stand up, Esther in the back, amen, those beautiful outfits they have on, isn't that pretty? Judy, they, Judy, they didn't, they didn't, you must have missed the memo, amen? <laughs> Next week. I don't know about y'all, but I love those dresses, they're so pretty, I love the colors, it was such an honor to be able to go to Africa and see that in person, amen? The brook. Some bread and a boy. It's also awesome to have our uh, pastors here, Pastor Chris and Kalandra from Phoenix to now Texas. Amen. If you weren't here Wednesday, they're now here officially. And uh, they are going to be starting a church very soon. Just still praying about where. So we're going to have a second church here in Texas. Amen. We're excited. So as he is here, just so everybody knows, as Pastor Chris is here and his family, um, we, we are a team. And so I told him as soon as he came in, don't sit back and just, you know, feel like you're visiting. You're a pastor here. He's a pastor in this place. Amen. So uh, I know everybody will treat him that way and respect him. But that doesn't mean that he needs to get all your counseling. Okay, that's not that's don't go to him. To, to, amen. He's 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 had enough of that. He needs a little break before he gets some new counseling. Amen. But prayer, anything like that, there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. And they're here to serve and they're going to be coming. Uh, off and on until they get started, and then we're going to be seeing a lot of them, amen, as we work together to build, help them build their church. I'm so excited about what they're going to be doing. So in 1 Kings 17, we're going to read in just a second, but I want you to think about the story in 1 Kings 18. How many have ever heard the story without reading it this morning, without looking at it, about the prophets of Baal, Ahab, Elijah, and the prophets of Baal? I remember that story where he... Uh, went to him and said, you know, bring your prophets out. It was 450 prophets of Baal. And uh, there was a drought and uh, hadn't rained for a long time. And there was a great victory that day. And I'm not going to get into a lot that today, that story. But the great victory was that Elijah stood up in public and put God on display and trusted God and believed God that God was his provider. Amen. Amen. And trusted and believed that if he put his neck out on the line, God was not going to fail him. And we know in that story, if you have never read it, you can read it later, but I'm sure you've at least heard it. They begin to decide who is serving the real God. And in that thing, they, they both make altars and they begin to cry out. And the 450 prophets of Baal begin to cut themselves and scream and dance and cry and pray. And we know the story says nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens because the God, uh, the false gods do exist, but they have no power. Amen? 
And so we, then we see Elijah stand up, he cries out to God, and he sees a great miracle happen. And God sends fire from heaven, and he, eat, he burns up that sacrifice, and, and everybody turns to God. And that's what a miracle does. When you hear a miracle like that this morning, like a, 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 a miracle of the triglycerides going down from, from half to from 300 to 150, or you hear of a foot that is fractured and it needs a lot of healing to be healed, or maybe you've seen a financial miracle or whatever it is in your life, you see that and you say, God has to be real. Amen. Amen. How, many, how many every time you hear a miracle, just say, God, I just thank you that you're so real. Amen. And it lifts up our faith and that's why we testify. But before we ever get to a victory, and we all love testimonies. We all love a victory chant, and we all love the, the celebration of a win, amen. We triumphed and, and celebrated this morning those two testimonies. But how many know at the moment that that foot was fractured, or years, 10 years, Miss Barbara didn't mention, 10 years of having her triglycerides up at 300, that's a long time, there's a battle being fought. And whenever we have a victory in our walk with God, we know that there's been a battle before the victory. And whenever we are in a battle, we know there's going to be a victory coming. Just remember that. Let me say that again. Whenever you've had a victory, you've definitely had a battle first. Okay? You know that, man, that victory cost you something. It, it took a fight. And if you're in a battle right now, you can know this morning, without a doubt, say without a doubt, that you're going to have a victory. Say amen. You're going to have a victory. And so that's our life. That's the thing. I think I've no, realized more than anything in my life of serving God is that I'm in a battle or I'm celebrating a victory. And if I'm celebrating a victory, it's because I just came out of a battle. And if I'm in a battle, I'm about to get a victory. And it's just back and forth and I just always know. And sometimes you can be celebrating a victory of one battle while you're in the battle waiting for the victory in another. Amen? How many, is anybody else here live in the same world I do and have come to realize in God that that's really what Christian walk is, is like? And the only thing that separates us from this miserable world is that this miserable world doesn't have the victory that we have. Whether you serve God or not, you're going to have the problems. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have struggles. The great thing is, in God, we get the victories. What a miserable life if all we do is battle and never win. But how many know with God, all things are possible? With God, we cannot lose. Amen? With God, we cannot fail. And that's why this thing says up there, trusting God's provision. We need to continue every... And this, when you say provision, a lot of people think finances. And that's, that's a part of provision. But provision is trusting that God will provide every area of our lives. Amen? Every situation that we're going through this morning. So I want to read out of the book of 1 Kings chapter 17... And I want to go back. See, we saw the victory right there in 18. I kind of paraphrased it for you. But I want to go back quickly to 1 Kings 17. And I want to show you that the battle that God wants us to understand this morning that Elijah went through shows us some truths. And so if you're taking notes again, a brook, some bread, and a boy. Let's start off in verse 1. Say amen if you're there. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, 
Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The word brook Cherith, the word Cherith means separation. And as it will be to you, you shall drink, watch this, from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Now keep reading with me and we're going to come back in just a minute. So he went and did. Now for about the fourth straight service we've seen, and not really even on purpose, every story for the last three or four services that I've preached, we've seen that, and he did. How many began to notice that? When we obey God, we can be for sure his provision is behind obedience. Every time, you're never going to see God move when the person says, well, it didn't seem like he felt like doing it, and so he didn't. We always see that he did, and when they don't, then comes trouble. Okay? I'll never forget as I sometimes am talking to people one-on-one as friends or on the basketball court or, or sharing my faith with somebody that I always remind them that in life we get to choose who we serve. How many are thankful this morning for free will? And some people, they want to, to, to live in the world and they want the things of the world. And I tell them, go ahead, do that. That's your choice. But you're going to have to pay the consequences of that life that you're living. And Jesus, or sorry, God, through his word, said very clearly in the Old Testament something very clear that we should always keep in the back of our mind and, and keep at the front of our, of our eyes as we're walking through this walk that is this. God said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. So he's basically saying, look, if you want to be miserable and if you want to sin and if you want to go into those things and you want to test the waters and you want to do all those things that your flesh wants to do, God says, go ahead. I give you free will to do that. But it's going to bring death. The wages of sin is death. Amen. And so he says, choose life. And so this morning, every service, every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, every day we wake up, we choose life. And when you choose life, you walk in victory. Amen. Amen. And when you don't choose life, you suffer the consequences of sometimes some bad decisions. And so God is telling us here that if we do according to the word, we'll be provided for. Let's read on in five. And he went and did according to the word of the Lord. So he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, as you're taking notes and the name of the message is the brook, some bread and a boy, I want you to write down next to the word, the brook. I'm going to help you with your notes. I want you to write down there, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the brook, the separation is the place we hear God's voice. How many know that you cannot hear God's voice in the crowd? Okay, corporate praise and worship and this time together this morning of singing and praying together is, is corporate, as is a body, as a family, as a church. We are, we are seeking God together, but you cannot get that answer that God has for you or the direction God has for you individually in the corporate meeting. You have to go to the brook. You have to go to the place of separation. And God says, I want you to go and I want to set you apart and I want to speak to you. And as Elijah listens 
He sees that because he listened to God and separated himself and, and went to hear the voice of the Spirit, that even in that place of the brook and being alone, God provided for him. Okay, we see God's provision there. Then we go on in the second part to read on. And the word of the Lord came to him and says, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord God lives, I don't have bread only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Before we read on, as I'm taking us down this story, I want you to understand that your listening to the Holy Spirit always has somebody else in mind. Did you get that? As God speaks to you to go and directs your paths, He has somebody in mind that He's leading you to touch. It's never just about us. There's times when God feeds us and speaks to us, but everything, we know that the Bible says He came to seek and save that which was lost, and that's still God's main purpose, is that people would be saved. And God is a God who kills a lot of birds with one stone. He does a lot of things with one thing. And he's always doing several things. And through the Holy Spirit, we can see this in the scriptures. And we can see what God is doing. And obviously this story took longer than what we're reading. But we see as he's already listened and he's gone to that brook. Now God's leading him to the place of bread. He's, he's becoming the provision, although this woman doesn't know it, for her family and God is using somebody that is in desperate need of a miracle. A lot of times we don't realize and where we really fail God is that we can become selfish and say, well, I have a need. But when you really get mature in God, you begin to realize as I seek God, God will meet my needs. But I know somebody out there has got a greater need than I have. And if I'm seeking the Lord and doing God's will and listening to his voice, and being obedient to him, then I'm the hope. You're the hope for somebody's life. Isn't that kind of neat to think about that I am and you are and we are the instrument that God wants to use? Do you ever stop being humbled or thankful or amazed that the God of this universe has chosen to use us to touch other people? I don't know about you, but it blows me away every day. I never get stop being amazed that God can use me. That God can use you. And that's the awesome thing about serving God. Let me throw this nugget in there for a second that's not in my notes. It's the awesomeness of serving God to know that no matter how much you do or don't have in your bank, how mu however much talent you do or don't have in your talent pool, however uh, rough of a past or good past you've had, no matter where you're at in your life, that has absolutely zero to do with how much God can use your life. Isn't that awesome? 
In the world, we have to go to school and graduate and get degrees and certificates and all these things to become somebody great in the world. But in God, all we have to do is listen and obey. And he can use us to do something greater than any degree could ever bring you. I don't know about you, but that makes me very happy. If God can use anything, he can use me. Getting back to the scriptures, verse 12. I read that. She she said, we're going to die. Elijah says, don't fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it. What? First fruits of everything. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour. Oh, I love that. Thus says the Lord God. Amen. The bin of flour shall not be used up. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Think about that. Do you know when we're at church this morning and we're listening to the word of God, he's, there's a thus says the Lord for us right now. He's speaking to us in a word that is so clear and so powerful. And I don't know about you. I've been there. I've been sitting there listening to a message and I've been going through something and that word comes and it lifts my soul and my spirit up. And I've realized, man, I can do anything in Christ that strengthens me. That word of the Lord is so powerful that it affects the circumstances that I'm going through this morning. It does not stop what God can do in my life. It begins to move miraculously. Everything that I'm facing in my life, the thus says the Lord. How many came for a thus says the Lord this morning? That is the amazing thing about the living word of God and not religion, that we can come in a place where the spirit of God moves and we allow the spirit to move and we allow the spirit to touch our hearts and and God can meet our situation right where we are. What? I don't know about you. I've been there many times crying and in tears and dry and, and facing a battle or a wall or a situation I thought I couldn't get through. And right on time, God says, thus says the Lord, I will provide. I will make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll bring you out of this. I'll do what only I can do if you will just trust me as your provider. How many trust God as your provider this morning? Man, this word right here was written thousands of years ago, but it's as alive today as it was when it was written down. And as that word is being said from Elijah to that widow woman, that Gentile woman, the word of God is coming out of my mouth this morning, 2014, and it's more alive today than it was back in the book of 1 Kings. And it's as powerful back then today as it was back then. And it will meet your need this morning right where you're at. Somebody say amen. Does anybody believe that? Don't fear. Go and do as you said, but make me a small cake. Thus says the God of Israel, it will not run out. So she went. What do we see again? Obedience. So she went. And did according to the word of Elijah. She and her, watch this, and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. The brook, the bread, equals provision. Provision, God's provision. The bread, God's provision. I'm always amazed at how the Holy Spirit works. I had that verse in my mind this morning, not in my notes, but in my spirit as I was praying, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed beg for bread. And Pastor Andrews gets up and says it in the offering. 
Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit works? We don't talk before the service. We don't say, this is what I'm preaching about. And you say this at the offering. And then we had those testimonies come in. God orchestrates everything to get us to a place where we'll just believe. We'll just believe he is who he says he is. I'm telling you right now, I don't know about you, but I feel in this place. We don't move by feelings, but I feel in this place there is a spirit of expectancy. We're on the verge of a miracle. That there's something great is on the way. Amen. But guess what? As we're seeing in this story, before something great happens, we got to go to the brook. Amen. We got to go through some testing. And that's what we're going to see in this last part of this story. We see God says go and speaks to us and he says, I'll guide you. I'll lead you. Do as I say. Write this down in your note. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Any bold people in here this morning in the Lord? Not in your own strength, but in God. Amen. When you, when you find God, you can be the most timid person in the world and afraid of everybody, but you can face the devil and understand that he, he is under your feet this morning. Amen. The righteous are bold as a lion. It takes boldness to do the will of God. Amen. It takes boldness. As we're talking about Pastor Chris and Calandra this morning, they're sitting here. They had a boldness in their spirit to have to leave everything they had established to come start a new work. Amen. I know what that's like too. We've been there. They've been there. Eight years ago they went to Phoenix. Now they're here in Texas. It's an awesome thing. It takes boldness to do the will of God. Amen. But it always works out. It's so exciting to see what God is going to do. If you're here this morning and you're facing something, you've got to realize with all these people here, there's a million different situations people are facing. Everybody's in different places. Everybody's facing different things. But the awesome thing is we have the same God and he can do the same miracle for 50, 100, 1,000 people at one time from one word. And if you connect your faith today with God's word, you will leave different this morning. You will leave victorious. Amen. To do the will of God. Let's see the last part. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. That is a tragedy. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Can I just throw something in there right now? Things are going to get bad. Don't blame God and don't blame the people around you. It's called life. And sometimes it's called God's sovereign testing. Okay? And you can know for sure, one of the things that's interesting about serving God, and I I think you guys have gotten to this place, maturity in the Lord, is if things have been going good for a while, you just know something bad's right around the corner. Right? Has anybody, can I have anybody that has a witness on that this morning? If you haven't been saved long enough, just listen. It's going to happen. I'm not trying to give you bad news. I'm just telling you a reality that will help you make it. I've got some money in the bank. I've got some food in the in the fridge. Uh, My car hasn't broke down for a while. Uh, It's been peaceful in the house. All these things are going on, and you're just like, man, this can't last too long. Because I'm I'm living in a real world, and I don't have a divine bubble around me. And I just know if things are going real good, there's got to be a test coming somewhere. 
I'm not calling the test on you. It's just a fact. If you've been saved long enough, you realize that's just how it is. So I brace myself and they'll say, okay, God, what you got for me? What do I need to learn? Because that's one of the biggest things that happens to us. The biggest problem is we get to a place where we think we don't need to learn anymore. Right? That's a bad place. You can just say, God, I know I don't know it all. Um, it's almost like that spanking the dad gave, my dad used to give me in case I was going to do something wrong. He's going to test me because he knows I need a test down the road. Amen? How many can trust? Say trust. This is the key. Trust. Trust the provision of God. Okay? Trusting the provision of God. If you trust the provision of God and you trust the blessings of God. Oh, I'm going to have to stop right here for one second. Let me say this again. If you trust the provision of God and you trust the blessings of God, it means you have to trust the discipline of God. Let that simmer for a second. We can't be people who, oh yeah, Lord, bless me. Oh yeah, Lord, bring it, send it on down, Lord, send it on down. Bring it down, God. Oh yeah, let, let it flow, Lord, let it overflow. Bring it, Lord. And then when that discipline comes, say, oh no, Lord, I think you got the wrong person. I haven't done nothing wrong. He says, I know. And that's why I'm disciplining you. Because you're doing good. Because I know if I don't discipline you, you're going to begin to get haughty. You're going to get, believe you are somebody and you've done something and you don't need me. Even Elijah. Even Elijah. I don't know if you went back to the beginning of that first Kings and read what I read. He had the power to say it's not going to rain no more. And when he said it's not going to rain... It wasn't going to rain. And when he said it's going to rain, it rained. That's authority. That is power. Yet the same person who had that power and authority is now walking in to some godly discipline. Okay? Discipline is another word for test. It's another word for, for, for being, uh, testing your faith. Okay? To see where it's at. You've got to remember that if your faith isn't tested, it can't grow. Anybody who's ever done weights, and I don't like them, but I've done them. Anybody, you can tell, amen, that I haven't done them for a while. Anybody who's ever done weights knows that there has to be some resistance if you're going to grow. And the resistance hurts, but it makes you strong. And so how in the spiritual life of walk with God will we not understand that there's got to be some resistance? I'm here still with me. So we go in here and he says, she begins to say, oh, man of God, have you come to bring my son and... Uh, uh, bring sin to, my, to remembrance and to kill my son. And this is where I always say, how quickly we forget how good God's been to us. She just saw a miracle not too long ago where she, had, where she was already going to be dead. Come on, somebody get that. You realize most of us shouldn't even be in here this morning? Do you realize we should probably be dead? But God and but God's grace and but God's mercy... Hey, we're still here. We're still standing. We're still alive. Amen. Don't let us forget what God did for us back at the brook. What he did for us with the bread. He, she just saw a miracle. Last time she spoke, she was talking about dying. Now she's got all the food she needs. Yet her son's sick. And so all of a sudden she forgets. We need to remember, if God provided that food for me miraculously, God can heal my son. God's done it before, he could do it again. He says to her, give me your son. Now, now, she's coming into a test, 
And Elijah's faith is coming into a test. You could say, well, why, why do we have to be tested? You can ask God that when you get to heaven. Okay? But he's gone through the brook. He's been the provision of the bread to this family. Now he's tested because he's living in a home and all of a sudden things went south fast. And the fingers are being pointed at him. All of a sudden it's his fault that, that her son's dead. And he has to do something. So he is, has come into a really ugly place. And he says, bring him to me. And so he took, him, he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow whom with I lodge by killing her son? I love the realness of Elijah right here. Did anybody catch that? It's okay to go into the private place and say, God, I don't understand. I don't get this. This doesn't make sense. Okay, write this down real quick. There's times of being alone with God and then there's times of public ministry. Okay, and we have to learn to discern the two. We have to learn to know when to go to God alone by ourselves and when to come out and do public ministry and let it be seen. And so he says, I I need to get away from this woman's lack of faith and get get him alone. And then I need to deal with my lack of faith. And I need to say, God, did, did I do something wrong? And he begins to ask that human question that we all ask him, did I do something wrong? And no, usually it's that we've done something right. And God's allowing us to be tested. Never forget the book of Job. Anytime you're going through a test, go read Job 1 and see what the devil was doing. And don't think you've done something wrong, but again, most likely you're doing something right. And it's not personal. It's not any person specifically picking on you or God picking on you. It's life. It's just life. Amen? And so he goes and he says, what have I done? And he stretched himself out on the child three times. And watch this. Cried out to the Lord. Has anybody really noticed that your greatest victories have come through agony? Whatever you have in your life that means the most to you probably cost you the most. If you have a good marriage this morning, it's been costly. If you have good kids this morning, it's been costly. Anything you have of value this morning costs you something. And he goes into this place and begins to pray and cries out to the Lord in agony and says, My God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came back to him. And he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house. And gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, and this this made me laugh. Now, by this, I know that you are a man of God. And that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Does that make anybody else laugh? I think I'd have believed in God the first thing he did. I think I'd have been, see how quickly we forget? She was dead. Now her son's revived, but 
however much time went back, she and her son were already dead. And God takes some little bit of flour and oil that she has and does a miracle and not only feeds them that day, but feeds them for many days and does a miraculous thing. And that wasn't enough. I don't know. Some people are very hard to prove that God's real. I can look out at the sun and believe God's real. I can see a sunset and believe God's real. I can see a butterfly and believe God's real. Some people are hard-headed, amen? And you know what? I can go a long time without seeing God, listen, do anything, and I still believe God is real because of what is inside of my spirit this morning that says I'm a child of the living God. I don't have to see a miracle. He's already saved my life. He's already written my name in the Lamb's book of life. The rest is a bonus. The rest is extra credit. Amen. When I look at who I was and who I am today, when I look at where I was going and where I am now, when I look at where my future eternity was and where I'm going to spend it now, that is enough for me to shout unto God every day, all day, and never need another miracle in my life. That's enough. Can you say amen? Go hide yourself. Know when to hide yourself with God and know when to do public ministry. I'm going to run through a few notes quickly here. <clears throat> Psalms 37.3. I'll just read it and you can write it down. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now remember this. As we read that verse, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Sometimes we can read a story like this about Elijah and a brook. And that God sent a raven to feed him at that brook. And we can think, man, that just sounds so weird. But do you realize how weird some of the testimonies we have sound? How many times has God shown you something that wasn't at a brook with a bird, but it was supernatural? And there was no explanation for it. You didn't deserve it. But God said, I'm God and I want to show you who I am. And over and over again, he's shown us miracles. Over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, he's shown us miracles. You know what you need to do? I'm sorry for beating a dead horse, but whenever you get to where you feel like you just got it bad, just get on the news and go look at what's going on around the world. I think my dad mentioned that in the message. Anytime you think it's bad here, just go somewhere else. I just saw something yesterday. Every time I, 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 I thank the Lord, he shows me stuff like this. It breaks my heart, but it also at the same time makes me realize my little problems are so minor and nothing. And I'm whining about nothing. Because I just saw that just yesterday, that a news thing came out. 20,000 Christians were kidnapped and are being tortured in, in Iran right now tortured people are being crucified as in the days of jesus right now for their faith people are being caught on fire and burned to death for their faith i'm not saying that to make us feel bad i'm telling us we've got it good and we need to stop whining about the little things and little problems we have and get focused on the harvest and realize that somebody's always got it worse. Because watch, God will remove something from us if we don't learn to appreciate what he's given us. Let me say that again. God will remove something from us if we don't appreciate it. Well, how do you know? I just read it. She didn't appreciate the bread. 
And so God removed her son. Took her life. Took his life. Thank God for the man of God. Thank God that she was restored. But if we're not careful, church, we can be losing things that God has given us if we don't appreciate it. But if we trust God in his provision, watch this. God used an unclean bird to get food to Elijah. Think about that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you're here right now and you're, some, you're in some distraught positions financially, for example. Or whatever it is. You say, God, how in the world is this going to happen? Well, God can provide a raven. You notice he didn't use a dove? The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. God can use anything. He doesn't need us. He just needs faith. He just needs trust. We see that in the brook. We see that with the bread. You don't have to have a lot. All you have to have is faith. So write these down real quick. The brook means listening. The bread means God's provision. And the boy means the test. The test of the faith. The dead boy was the widow's testimony. Write this down. What you do in public is a product of what you've already done in private. Why did it get so quiet? That's a fact. Who you are in public is a product of who you are in your private life. What you do in public is a product of what you do in your private life. Now here's an example of that. I'm going to read you just a couple more verses as I close this morning. How many remember? Here we go again with the final story. David killing Goliath. All the kids know that story. That's Daniel in the lion's den. David killing Goliath. We remember those awesome stories. And it's a powerful triumph that David killed Goliath. And he stood up as bold as a lion and, and righteous in God. And, and said, I'm not going to stand for this man mocking my God. And he stands up and he throws that sling and defeats Goliath. But watch this. That was a public ministry. Y'all with me? But he couldn't do that public ministry until he had killed the lion in private. Nobody knew about that. That was him and God. It was in a, he was hiding himself. He was in a private place. He was, he, was, he was doing what he was supposed to do. He killed a lion and a bear in private so that he could kill Goliath in public. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 11 real quick. Say amen when you get there. I want to read you a promise. How many like promises? The brook, the bread, and the boy. Trusting God's provision. Verse 13 of Deuteronomy chapter 11. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments. Now remember that promises always come with those ifs. Because we have to do our part. We have to choose life. He says, which I command you today, if you are by my commandments, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, all your soul. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain. That you may gather in your grain, your new wine, your oil. And I will send, watch this, I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain. 
and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is given you. If we obey church this morning, if we do what we're supposed to do, we can have peace that God will provide. We can have peace that God will speak. We can have peace that God will move. Amen. What we do in private is far more important than what we do in public. Amen. That relationship with your children, spending time with your spouse, spending time with God, all the things that are done in private. Amen. To make a public display of God's glory. We must work on the little things. All these things we saw Elijah do led him to be able to stand up in 1 Kings 18 and publicly give God glory. Amen? But he had to go through the brook first. And he had to go through the bread first. And he had to go through the boy first to get the victory. Many people read that story in 1 Kings 18. And every time we read a big story, look at Jesus. We know he triumphed on the cross. We know that that's our victory this morning. We know that that's our salvation this morning. But look at all the things he had to do to get to the cross. Look at all the little things he did. The Garden of Gethsemane. The testing with the enemy, the devil in the wilderness. He did all those things all his life. And that's what we're setting ourselves up for this morning. When we come to church like this and we, we listen to the word and we praise and worship and we put in time with God and we do what we're supposed to do all week long and we live a righteous life for God, we're setting ourselves up for a public display of God's glory in our life. Amen. But it's the little things. Those miracles don't happen overnight. The righteous don't fear failure. The righteous aren't afraid to fail. Can you say amen? amen? Because we know that you can't fail in God. If you're doing what God said to do, you cannot fail. We're going to finish with this. Write this down in your notes. This is how you do this. This is how you win this. This is how you get there. You put to death all the things in your life that are false. Put to death in your life all the things that are false. Prophets. False gods. False things, things that are not going to last, things that are not eternal. I'm going to read this. You don't have to go there for time. But Deuteronomy 13. Actually, we're just in 11, so just skip over two chapters to Deuteronomy 13 and, and watch this. This is what God tells us to do. How many have realized in your life as we go to read this that whenever sin comes and catches up with us, it's because little by little here and there we haven't put it to death. Anybody else realize that? The little foxes spoil the vine. Little bit of disobedience here. Little bit of disobedience there. Little bit of, of pride here. Little bit of, of anger there. All these little things begin to add up. And then all of a sudden, then we fall. And so God is telling us we've got to put those things to death. We have to put those things to death that are in our way from getting to where we wanted to go. And watch this. The quicker you put those things to death, the quicker you get there. It's like being in the valley. Life's valleys and mountains, valleys and mountains, valleys and mountains, downs and ups, downs and ups. You're going to go through valleys as a believer. You're going to be on the mountain as a believer. You're going to have times of victory. You're going to have times of defeat. You're going to have times of trials. You're going to have times of joy. You're going to have times of a lot. You're going to have times of a little. You're going to have all these things. That's just life. You've got to realize it. And the quicker you do, the quicker you come out of the valley. The shorter you stay in the valley. 
Some people, you've heard me say this before, some people live their whole lives in the valley. Because they don't say, God, what, what are you trying to teach me? They just, woe is me, and they just get mad at everybody, and they think, what did I do wrong? And, well, I tried it, and it didn't work, and all these different things. The quicker you get the attitude of God is not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to build you. He's trying to grow you. The quicker you get that in your spirit, the quicker you get out of the valley, and you get back up on the mountain again, and you get the victory again. But you've got to kill those things. You're down there. Kill them. Get rid of it. Cut. Cut. Sever. Ties. Things that are pulling you down. I said this again Wednesday. It's a constant battle. Constant battle. He said if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You know what that means? That means sometimes you have to, you have to realize, okay, I fell here. The reason I fell here was something over there. I've got to get rid of that. That right there. I was over there. I was coming here. I failed getting here, and that caused me to fail. I get rid of it. Get it out. How do I know? Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll say, get that thing out of your life. Remove that obstacle. Don't have that there anymore because it's caused you to fall over and over again. Over and over again. Watch this. He says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder... And the sign or a wonder comes to pass. This is where you have to have the discernment of God, which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you've not known, and let us serve them. He says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord, watch this, the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It's a test. How will God ever know how much we love him if we're not tested? There's no way to know. You can say, well, God knows, but we don't know. God does know. God's God. He knows exactly how much I love him. But I don't know. And I won't really know until I go through the test. It's easy to serve God when everything's good. It's easy to raise your hands when everything's good. It's easy to bless his name when everything's good. But he says, I'll test you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Watch this. You shall walk after the Lord your God, verse 4, and fear him. Keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet, watch this, but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So shall you put, watch this, away the evil from in your midst. Amen? That's what happens in prayer. That's what happens when we read the Bible, when we get our devotion out in the morning and we're tired. And if you're smart, you've got some coffee. Not, not, I shouldn't say smart. If you're, I don't know what to say there because that would make people that don't like coffee not smart. Um, take that back. I like to drink coffee as I'm reading my devotional. Wakes me up. Maybe it's Red Bull for you. That's not too good for you, though. As I'm reading, God is speaking to me and he's saying, 
See that? And you need to cut that out. It's like a mirror. This is a mirror. And God says, you can do whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. You can go wherever you want to go, say whatever you want to do, be with whoever you want to be. But you don't love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. If you love them, you love them more than me. And I know, the last time I checked, God is a jealous God. And he wants everything of us. He wants everything we have. But he is trying to get us to go somewhere this morning. Amen? He's trying to get us in public to destroy the prophets of Baal. To defeat the enemy. To do great exploits for God. Let me remind you this morning, I said it in the beginning, it doesn't matter how untalented you think you are, how lackful in resources you think you are, God has a big plan for your life. He has a big plan for our church. He has a big plan for your ministry. Public ministry. Well, I'm never going to preach. I'm never going to stand behind a pulpit. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. First of all, don't say that. But then if you do say that, be careful because God will call you to do things you never thought you'd do. Amen. But regardless of if you really will never stand behind a pulpit or do some big humongous public ministry, your public ministry is tomorrow at work, at school, in the grocery store, in the car, everywhere you go. It's public ministry. Amen. And what you have in your private life will come out of your public life. And those people will say, I want what that person has. Amen. Musicians, you can come. The bread Sorry, the brook, the bread, and the boy. Remember this. I'm going to remind you what those three things mean. This is simple. The, bre- the brook, the bread, and the boy. The brook means listening to God. Separation. A place of going away. As they're coming, I want to remind you, you must find a place. You must find a time every day to go to the brook. Okay? Separation. You know where you can go. Where no one else is around. Praying with your spouse is the best thing you can do. Praying with your family is the best thing you can do. Praying corporately is the best thing you can do. But you still have to have personal time of prayer with God. You've got to have a place of separation. And you have to fight that battle and win that battle every day. And church, that battle starts with the pillow below your head. Can you say amen? Amen. Can I just sleep five more minutes? Can I just snooze one more time? Right? It starts there. And it's a daily battle to get up and spend some time with God in the brook. But when I do that, I know that my day, forget the week, my day is going to be good. Because God's going to provide because I've sought him first. So I know that I can say that prayer and give us this day our daily bread. I can say that and know that God is going to provide. There's a peace and it's not a worry. And the more you've seen God come through, the more you can say, hey, God, you got this. I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm in covenant with you. You're a God that cannot fail. You've come through before and you will come through again. Remember that faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. So the brook is his provision. But write this down one more thing. His provision is mysterious. 
and miraculous and supernatural. Has anybody else in here seen that? I'm talking supernatural. One of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible is in Isaiah 55. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're different. Right? When you begin to start trying to drive the bus again, remember, you're not the one supposed to be driving. Here, Jesus, take over. Here, Holy Spirit, take over. I'm sorry. We're, we're possessive people and we try to grab on again. God, here it is again. Put it on autopilot. Take over, God. Because your ways are better than my ways. Your thoughts are better than my thoughts. He sees the big picture. He sees the end. When that first thing happened and God said, Elijah, go to the brook. His carnal flesh had to say, God, why? His jealous spirit of God had to say, God, there's prophets of Baal over there mocking your name. Let me go get them. Let me go get them. And inside, he wanted to go. And God said, no, I need you to go away first. I need you to go hide yourself. I need to deal with you. And the last one is the boy, the testing. The testing. This is a cycle that you're going to continue to go through. You're going to have a battle. You're going to win it. And when you win it, you're going to be victorious. You're going to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And then as soon as that victory is over, you're going to start another battle again. And then when you're in that battle, you're waiting for that victory. Then when you're in that victory, you're ready for the battle. Just over and over again. If, if anybody ever asked me, what's the one key? What would, if you could just tell a new believer how to make it, that's what I tell them. Be ready for the battle. And know you're going to win victory. And then be ready for the battle. And then know you're going to have a victory. And just keep doing it over and over again. Till what? Till Jesus calls us home. And that when he comes, he would find me faithful. And when he comes, he would find me busy. And when he comes, he'd find me doing the work of the Lord. Amen. Isn't that our goal? Isn't that our call?